0: Good morning, Lighthouse. We're trying something a little different. Good morning. So this is the men, the men of Lighthouse. (laughs) And up at the men's retreat, we decided, okay, we're going to do something special here. We're going to do some singing, okay? So guys, you ready? I don't know if I'm ready. Can you hear me okay? Let's just do it.
1: O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made, I see the stars
2: sings my soul
1: And bright shining and the sun.
3: There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, man on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry. Sweet is to trust in you, Jesus.
0: Isn't that pretty? That's a new one for us. <laughs> Mr. Bill. Do a quick prayer here as Bill's come up. I'm going to pray you in, Bill, okay? Father, just thank you for this gathering here, and I want to just say just spirit over everybody is maybe viewing today at home but uh special blessing over this church and over bill's message uh just thank you for all we have for all the amazing family we have in here with us so lord i ask you to be with us be with bill in his message in jesus name
4: amen 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 thank you i was being blessed a little bit sorry for not paying attention but this was Tell them how much you love them, please. They're just so amazing up here. Wow. That's great stuff. Before we get going, a couple of announcements real quick. Um, Christmas wood painting, the ladies are going to get together And they're going to do some really cool, um, there's pictures in there, and it's all in your bulletin right here in the front. So if you can come and join them, please RSVP to Jackie Cranston. Jackie, are you? Is Jackie where she at? There she is over here. So you can just let her know that you're going to be there. That'd be great. Also, Grief Share will be starting up again. And is she here? Where is she? There There she is there. Okay. (laughs) We're glad to see you. Ms. Eames is going to be here again, and if you've got questions, she's right there, and she's also got the phone number in here if you need more information on the grief share. Surviving the holidays, that's something that's really big for a lot of people. Also, we have giving thanks. Uh, Pastor Jeff has asked that for the Thanksgiving service. If you have something you really want to be thankful for, Pastor Jeff is asking us all to send little notes, maybe two or three sentences saying, I'm just grateful for this this year. I'm thankful for this. Send them to pastor at lighthousecommunity.com. Pastor Jeff would love to put those into the Thanksgiving service. And one quick thing and I forgot to bring one with me But out there you'll see a little card that says One Voice on it A lot of the churches of the city um, will be joining together on that date To uh, have a worship conference It's just a a night of worship together and everything else And the One Voice cards are right out there Back there on the the table at the outreach table So with all of that said I think that's all of them Did I forget anything? Anybody raise your hand? Okay good, that's good to know Because I'm kind of excited about today This is an interesting message, because whenever you get chosen or asked to preach a message, and all the pastors in the room, Rod and Jeff, everybody, will let you know that most of the time it's something that we need to hear more than you do. So as Jeff is lining up the weeks of who's going to preach when and stuff, of course, I get the one that says, got wisdom. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've learned a lot about wisdom, I'll find it one of these days. And we are going to have a good time this morning. So we're going to talk about what James said. We're in chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. And when we asked the question and got wisdom, I started thinking about it. And and it has a lot to do with understanding how to read this book. There's a lot of confusion sometimes on, on when you look at these pages. There's a lot of people that look in these pages and think, I don't understand this. I don't know how to read this and stuff. So there's a couple little things I want to share before we get into the specific scriptures. I've been practicing those two words together all week because I've said them several different ways. Specific scriptures, it's going to come down to a couple of things. But when I, I have a friend who's in real estate, and she's really good at it. And so I said, I, said, I asked her, I said, Terry, how do you... How do you know what house to sell to people she says well you get to know the client and then you understand what they're looking for and you get their needs but it comes down to one thing three things she said three things and i said what's that and what do you think she said who knows location 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 right and i started thinking about that and that's really cool because there's something special about understanding how to read this here book and it comes down to three things it really does and I started thinking the same way that they think, and I thought, okay, it comes down to three things, and it comes down to three things. Ready? Context, context, context. That's the thing that it always comes down to. And whenever you're starting to understand and you want to get into serious reading, and everybody asks me, what's the best Bible to get and what's the best Bible to have? And and it depends on what you want to do. When you want to read a novel or something, there's lots of versions that are for that. When there's, that you want to do inductive Bible study, there's very special ones that are are geared more towards that. You can ask me later about that. I don't want to get into all of those because Jeff says I can't wait and serve you all lunch and keep you here all day. So we're gonna, we're gonna be looking now at some of the things that talks about context. Now here's what Webster's Dictionary says about context. It's, what is context? It is the interrelated conditions in which something exists or occurs. It's about the environment and the setting. You see, when we think about who, what's going on in this book, we think about the fact that somebody wanted to tell somebody something because somebody told them what to tell. So when you think about this, God gave a message to somebody to tell the people of Israel this day, right? In this case, we know it's Pastor James. So let's make it simple. In biblical context, when we talk about biblical context, here's what we need to know that's going to help us to understand what the word of God is a little better. And I don't have a slide for this because... I just got this this morning, and so I had to change the message a little bit. And by the way, that does happen to all of us on occasion. So let's look at that first context. When you look at the first context, you want to know one thing. Who wrote what is written? In our case, it's James, Pastor James of the church in in Jerusalem, right? And he's, he's James the Just. He's Camel Knees. He's the guy that spends his time. We know that he's the pastor. So when the first context you think about is always about who wrote it. Then the second context you want to think about is who is reading it? Who's receiving this message? Whether it's a letter, whether it's a story, whether it's a whole Gospel presentation is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, whether it's a book of history like the book of Acts, who's reading it? Well, if we look at this, right in verse 1, James tells us who is reading this is the 12 tribes, which means it's a lot of the Jewish people who have become believers in Jesus Christ. We would today call them completed Jews or Messianic Jews. So that's who's getting this. Now, the third context. The third context comes down to this, and it's simply this. What is going on during the writing and the reading? That's your third context. If you can understand what is going on during the writing and the reading of this scripture that you're looking at, Guess what? All of a sudden, the message for 2022 becomes real clear. And it becomes in such a manner that all of a sudden now, you start to understand the message. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat this a lot because I want you to understand what thing. A lot of times when you're understanding the message, you're going to go, oh, okay, I got it now, I think. God, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> in the case of, hey, Bill, do got wisdom. Great, thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jesus. Because the Lord is the one who essentially tells us what to do. So all of this, we, my wife will tell you. Yes, I've spent a lot of sleepless hours, but that's okay, because in this message, all of a sudden I understood the context of what James wrote, to whom he wrote it, and why he wrote it. And what's even more scary to Bill is what it says for us in 2022. Because this book has never been a book solely based on when it was written. So you've got to re- realize there's 66 books, different chapters in here or books in here. And every one of them are about a different thing from somebody else at a different place, different time, to over 3,500 different locations. I mean, we're looking at stories in here that... Match when they were written three to four hundred years apart. So when James writes this letter, he is about to tell these people and he's about to let them know hey, folks, guess what? We have to talk about something because I heard something in the context that is shown in the original language. A lot of times, the original language, and I'm not going to get into a Greek and Hebrew lesson, I mean, unless you want to talk about that. Anytime you do, let me know. But we're going we're to talk about the fact that in, in Greek and Hebrew, it's how they begin and end the words that tells us basically what they're trying to say. And James was very specific. And here's the fun part about James, or the interesting part in my book anyways, is that there are words in this book that are nowhere else in the New Testament. That's very interesting because James was, he didn't go to Jerusalem First Christian College. I don't even know if they had one. But anyway, we have to know and understand that when James is writing this, he's given the message by God himself to tell people something. And what James, especially when James is trying to say, hey, I heard something about the church that I need to bring up. James is going to contrast two types of wisdom. See, that's why I said what I'm learning about wisdom. There is two kinds of wisdom. There is the worldly wisdom that doesn't know who God is, anything about God or His Son or living a godly life. And then there's the wisdom that comes from God. And those two wisdoms are what we're gonna look at real quick. And I'm gonna try to get all of this done in a timely manner. So hopefully nobody has to leave before two o'clock. We're going. (laughs) What are you saying? So we're going to look first at James 3.13 and we're going to look at that one. Um, And in James 3.13, he starts it real quick and real easy and and it's almost like he just wants to ask a question. Very simple. James just looks up and in 3.13 he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now in this one verse alone, Just those two senses alone, all of a sudden, everybody who was of the first day when they read this got this and went, uh, because see what he heard was, and what the focus of this chapter is again, well, let's put it this way. You can say this, what the focus of this chapter is, is a message from the pastor to the church. And we could almost rephrase this question, and I translated it many ways, but I thought, here's the easiest way. I heard some information about all of you. So, how many of you here in the church believe you possess the most wisdom? And there's a there's actually a written pause in there, and he's, it's almost like he's waiting for them to answer, but then all of a sudden James says, okay, here, let me help you. In that second sentence when he says... By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness and wisdom. Right away, straight up front, he opens the wound, goes in to scrape out all the junk to clean up this mess. Because this letter is going to focus on, and it implies, and it's going to focus on the actual and present evils that exist in the church and prevail in this congregation. Just in that first sentence alone, James is almost asking them, guess what, guys, whoever thinks he's the wisest, he's going to prove it by being the meekest. We'll get into what meekness means in just a minute. But the two concepts relating to wisdom, because in these two, in, in these two verses, be, the two concepts, they relate to wisdom because it's the one wisdom produces works, and that wisdom is characterized by meekness. Notice when he says works. Notice when he says, let him show his good conduct in this Bible. Other Bibles say, let him show his good works, his conduct, what he does, who he is. It's not about what he says. At no time will you hear James relate to what somebody says. It's always about who they are, what they do, and how they are. It's never a, oh, hear what he said, isn't that great? What you say doesn't matter in James's mind. What matters to James is the conduct that you project. And works does not have to be mean a grandiose work of some, he's not going to start an evangelistic campaign the size of Billy Graham's or anything like that. Works can just be something display of wise choices, good attitudes, um, a demeanor of helping your neighbor whenever you can. James's advice here is very urgent when it comes to a church setting. When members allow themselves to be filled with pride and dissension, because in all of this stuff that's going on, James is trying to tell them, "Look, if any of you who have been given the Holy Spirit of God in your life, if you want to display, if you want to prove who who that is and how important He is to you, the best way is not announcing it. Let people see your actions." Let people see the love that you have for them in such a way that they may come to you and ask you why you care. Many times through the, the foundation that my wife and I founded, Fresh Beginnings Ministries, and we, we will go and take food to people or take clothes for kids or something like that, and they just look at us and they just say, why? you don't even know us. Why are you doing this? And it's always the same answer. You've got to understand the God that we serve told us to. Which then really freaks people out, because in this day and age, that's not a normal thing to care more about somebody else than you do about yourself. That's, that's really an opposite way of dealing in the world, and that's a whole nother sermon. I'm not going to get into that. Big John says he doesn't have enough time, so we'll not do that today. But he says, then when he says, let him show, another attempt to say, if you want to show me your faith, then show me your works through meekness. And this is not a whole thing, faith without works is dead, and we could get into that debate too, but that's not what he's talking about. He's saying that if you have a strong faith, if you have a faith where you believe in a holy God, then I should see that holy God shining through you, amen? Amen. Wait a minute. I should see that holy God shining through you, amen? Amen. Oh, bless your hearts, I love when you do that. All right, an interesting word meekness, and it's the same thing as gentleness. It comes from the, the definition, the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. It's a gentleness, a humility, a courtesy, a considerateness in the older, favorable sense. There was a day when this was a common word, not only in the church, but in the world, that it was, it was simply to have humility and gentleness. He's a very meek person. And I started to think about how I could simply explain meekness to people. And the men that were up here with you, and the men were wonderful. This one, thanks guys for doing that today. They were up at a retreat with me a couple weeks back. And and some of the amazing ways that we watched these men not only work together, uh, just talking to each other, sharing with each other, just praying with each other, all of those things, there was such a spirit of meekness in these men. And so we talked about that a little bit because one thing I hope that nobody gets confused with is this. Meekness is never weakness. Please don't confuse those two things. It's an incredible measure of humble inner strength that is so confident it doesn't have to be proven. It doesn't have to be shown or talked about by the individual. So meekness is never weakness. And its strength has been written about by many church historians. And one historian says, just want you all to know that the devil is thwarted by meekness and humility combined. I love to say the word thwarted. I just like saying it, because, yeah, especially when the devil gets thwarted. Meekness is also a sign of wisdom in an individual. It takes a person of wisdom to never have to prove their inner strength. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to tell people, you know, I'm so humble, I scare myself. You know, that really, you just blew your humility out the door. You know, what you know and don't know should never have to be proven. If the spirit of God dwells within you, folks, he and he alone will radiate within you. Amen. Amen. There you go. But only that will only happen when you are surrendered to life in Jesus Christ and led by the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm going to break in here in the middle, and I usually don't do this to the end, but folks, if th- I don't know every single person. I know most of you, but not every single one. If you're here this day, and you're wondering how come life has taken a turn, and even in, on the stream, if, if you're wondering why life has taken such an ugly turn for you and there's things going on that you don't understand and you need answers for and everything else, please send notes to pastor at lighthouse.community.com. We want to know. We want to pray for you. We want to help you. We want you to understand that there's people in this room who care more about you than you even know, even though they don't know you. And that was, I'll just give you that message for free. I won't even charge you extra. Then James goes on to divine and and, and the next thing. And and let's read James 3.14. Another interesting verse. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. The next couple verses, by the way, are going to go this way, just so you know. Jeff and I have talked about this many times. The next ones are are pretty straightforward. uh, James was never one to beat around the bush. If you ever wanted to know a straight shooter or read about a straight shooter in your life, just read the book of James. He's a straight shooter as they come. And he he doesn't beat around the bush anyway. And he says, okay, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, guess who knows that the most? The only person that knows that you're jealous is you, yourself. That's the biggest one who knows about that. Now, you may display actions that would show that jealousy. In the case of, you know, if you get mad at somebody and you figure they hurt you and you're jealous of what they have and you break into their house and you steal everything they own, that kind of talks about a little bit of jealousy. Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Let's talk about ambition. Ambition can be one of two ways, right? You can have good ambition that says it keeps me driven, it keeps me going, and this ambition makes it so that I want to serve the Lord more than anything else. I want to let Jesus guide me in everything I do. I want to know what he wants me to do. In fact, I get so, so excited about serving Jesus, sometimes I get ahead of him, and he has to bring me back and rein me in. I know that surprises all of you, but he does have to, at times, say to me, hey, Bill, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 wait just a minute. It doesn't mean no. Sometimes when you're praying and you're asking God to do something or give you something or be somewhere or do something, he may just be saying, hold on, not yet, not yet, wait. Wait's a big deal when you pray. And, And to be honest with you, to me, wait gets answered more than no does. And sometimes more than yes, because we want to do so much and get so in a hurry, wait is the deal. And if you have the wrong kind of ambition, if you have the ambition that says the, the greatest way to, to know ambition in your heart is when you say, oh, it's not personal, it's just business. <laughs> All that means is it's not personal to you. It is personal to somebody when you decide to fire 25 people in a line oh, it's not personal, it's just business. In other words, I want to make more money and you guys are taking it away, so I want to get rid of you. Sorry, that kind of slipped out. That wasn't supposed to come out. Anyway, but we just understand that ambition, when it is wrong, can be hurtful. And it it, most of the time is. And then the next line, James says, is do not be arrogant and lie against the truth. Everybody says, what is that, that sentence? I don't understand. He's referring to the first sins. Don't be arrogant and lie against the truth that you have selfish ambition. Oh, I'm not, I don't have selfish ambition. No. I love Jesus. I'm just, I'm just holy. Can't you see my halo? When we get to the point where we have to brag about our own holiness, and good works and everything that we are guess what has left us the spirit of god because at no time is meekness shown by what we say about ourselves you have the thought today that you have to talk about yourself if you don't talk about and promote yourself nobody else is going to well i have a beg to differ on that Things have happened in my life all the time where I have never said anything and I still get put in positions of leadership and things like that only because people will ask me to do stuff and sometimes I don't even know why they're asking me. But you have to take that as a call of God when you get asked to do something. Today, many days in the future of this church, this church depends on what we all as volunteers can do for it. And the more people that we get involved in what we do with this church the more people in our community are going to look at this place and go, what is going, that lighthouse is a bunch of weird people. Now, as pastor, I'm not going to argue with that, but what I am going to say is the weirdness reflects the fact that we're different from the world. Do we want to be different from the world? Say amen. Amen. Well, that was a loud amen. That was a good one. Okay, that's good to know. When we think about earthly wisdom, that's what gets us in trouble. Because in verse 15, as you read verse 15, it says this. "Um, This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. I'm going to work on the first two first, because the third one kind of scares me a little bit. But anyway, earthly. Earthly. It's a very negative sense of meaning. It's devoid of any godly influence. It means that everything that this world is putting forth, the greed, the lust, the, all of the pride of life, and, and the book of Ephesians even talks about this from Paul. It's, it, it matters whether or not you believe truly in God's holiness. Holiness is a, is a heavy concept, but our God is holy and he is just. His loving kindness never fails. His grace never fails. He sent his son to the cross just so that every single one of us can be with him in heaven. But he is also a God of justice and holiness. And it says it's unspiritual. The fun part about this is I don't know why our English, none of the English Bibles put the real Greek translation in this because the real Greek translation is earthly at first and then it says it's sensual a condition that is devoid of the Spirit of God. That is how it's defined. Although we say it's unspiritual, it is devoid of the Spirit of God, but sensual is the one where that all of a sudden you're bringing up feelings that are not of the Holy Spirit. And we can get into a whole thing on the holiness later on, but we're not going to do that today. Then the last word there it says is it's demonic. Obviously. Only comes from one place, from the pit of hell itself. When it talks about it being demonic it says the behavior that is originating from the lower spirit world from the pit of hell that is the definition of this word demonius we have to get to a point where that we recognize good from bad dark from light you know good from evil i mean we want, we want to be able to separate that stuff in our minds so that we can tell when we're asked to do something that is demonic when we're told to do something that's demonic or when we see demonic activity. We have one of the young men in our, in our, that was at the retreat with us and, and, and one of the other guys said, you know what, I need to not be with the friends that were dragging me down and taking me into the world that I no longer want to be a part of, which makes sense to all of us, to me especially. I said, yes, that is correct, I get that. And one other young man raised his hand and he said, yeah, but wait a minute. Once I get saved and I get clean and I get straightened up, I got to go get them. I don't want my friends to be there anymore. I want to go get them. An incredible testament. I would tell you who they are because they're in this room, but I didn't ask permission to say their names. So I'm just telling you that there is people, there are people who are recognizing that, yes, once we change our ways, once God, the Spirit of God fills you up and changes your life and makes you whole again, there is a way to go back and get those who need to know that message. Amen? Amen. Because that's an important thing, is we have to understand and know that we can go get them. I mean, just like whenever we feel like all of a sudden, I had a dear friend, we were close, we did a lot of things together, some of them were bad but I need to go get them. They need to know how much Jesus loves them. They need to know that they have grace. They need to know that they can be in heaven with their heavenly Father. And in that wanting them to know, that's a compassion that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Then in 3.16, we're still getting a little heavy here, so 3.16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every evil, vile practice. Wherever there is selfish ambition, it all comes down to one thing. When you have eye trouble, not the kind of eye trouble that Bill had when he was born, the kind of eye trouble that says, I am first. It's all about me. It's all about I. If I'm going to have eye trouble, my eye trouble is this. I did this. I did that. I I made all of this stuff happen. I would love to tell you that when we give out a f- meals to a thousand families, that Bill did it. I did it. <laughs> Guess what? Bill has one job. He orders the food and pays for it. By the time it gets away from me, they pack it, they seal it, they make sure everybody has it, and they count it out, and then on the 21st and 22nd of November in this parking lot, you watch miracles. Because there's about 320 employees that make this stuff happen. I could take credit. Everybody puts, says, Bill, you're the front guy. You're the one out front. I get it. And nothing drives me more crazy than, and, and none of them will come up in the front with me. Can you believe that? I say to them, come up here, I want to talk about you. No, I'm not going up there. You don't need to talk about me. And some of those people are in this building right now. They know who I'm talking about. Because I've asked them, I want to tell people who you are. No, I don't want people to know who I am. These people are amazing who do these things. That's what selfish that's the opposite of selfish ambition. That's the opposite, and that's the stuff that God is talking about when He says to you, don't do this. You can't have that. It's a state of unrest. It's godly authority. Every vile practice. Vile practice are the things that come from the evilness, the blackness on the side of our hearts that tells us, I have to promote me above everybody else. When Jesus says, no, wait, 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 come here. Come by my side. Puts his arm around us and says, I tell you what, when it gets ugly and hard, it's not you that's going to save you. It's going to be me that's holding you up. It's going to be me that fills you with power and strength. It's going to be me that stands alongside you. Then we go to verse 17. And when we read this next verse, we're expecting a definition of what wisdom is. <laughs> when in reality, James is giving us, he's about to give us what having wi- wisdom Results in. See, we could take a definition of wisdom and say, oh, that's really cool to aspire to. But that's not what James's point is. James's point is this. Here is godly wisdom. And he gets into verse 17. <clears throat> and he says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. Wow. So we heard a few things about what godly wisdom is not, but then he starts in, in 317a. Can we go back one more slide? In 317a, he says, these are the three big ones. These are the three big deals. Let's talk about pure, because purity is a, is a hard thing to understand. Because does purity means that I have to be totally without any mistakes or mess-ups or stupidness in my life? That's the Bill definition. Because purity means that I have to look in such a manner that I'm so clean and pure that nobody has anything to say anything against me. But see, in reality, purity in a person shows someone who takes the characteristics of God's word Seriously. And purity is one of the keys to all of the qualities of wisdom. Now purity does not mean perfectness. Because everybody thinks that purity means that you're perfect. It does not mean that. Purity simply means that I have a standard here and God knows my heart and God knows the standard. And it is the standard that I'm striving for. So my purity is more in the actions that I have towards who God is and his will. That's what the real purity is. Not only is wisdom pure, but then it says it's peaceable. Wisdom produces peace. It is peacemaking. Sometimes that is hard to do. When you're a father of three daughters, it just gets difficult at times. Or three children of any kind. Parents will know there are times when being a peacemaker is not the easiest thing in the world. What about when you're in business and all of a sudden you're the manager and you've got three or four employees that, disre- that disrespect each other and disagree and, and they want to go after each other and they walk into and each one of them tells you why the others should be fired. That's the definition of having to be a peacemaker. And trust me, as someone who's been in management, that's not an easy task either. We never have tasks that are easy when it comes to being peacemakers. And then we get into reading James 3.17b. We'll get to gentleness in just a minute. Mercy and good fruits, gentle and open to reason, impartial and sincere. Mercy. Mercy is the person that watches movies and all of a sudden tears start to flow down their face. And men, don't act like you don't do it because I already know you do. But we're watching a movie and all of a sudden something hits our hearts and we start to cry during the movie. And a friend looks at us and goes, Are those tears? No, I got something in my eye. I didn't, you know. (laughs) We all have the same thing. No, there's dust in here. Yeah, you know. But mercy is the one whose heart always reaches out, and your heart breaks when someone else's heart breaks. Have you ever heard the prayer, God, please help my heart to break for what the things that break yours? You want to know that you want, you want to be so in tune with the living God that all of a sudden you look at him and think, Lord God, if you will just, if nothing else, help me to know what breaks your heart because it, it will break my heart. And when you get to that point in your life, that's what they call a spiritual, a level of spiritual maturity that makes it so that at no time can the evil one take over. You see, at any point in your life, whenever you think that the evil one is beginning to gain a stronghold or anything else, you can tell him no. You can tell him, get away from me. Jesus is greater than me than he is in the, who's in the world. He's the best. He's the strongest. He wins. If you don't believe me, go to Revelation 21 and read the chapter. Because in the end, folks, God wins. That's how it is. That's the end of the book. That's the end of the the story of life for every human. It's there. We know who wins. And it's because of his mercy and and the good fruits of every living being that's on this earth that there are pictures of God when he's doing these things. If you want to know what good fruits are, good fruits are the ones that nobody knows who's giving them. Amen? Because, see, those are the, the fruits that all of a sudden you look up and realize... Hey, how did this happen? How did somebody know that I needed this money for a medical bill and all of a sudden the money shows up? How did somebody know that our family didn't have any more food and and all of a sudden there's a box of food at our doorstep? How did somebody know that my son was in the hospital having a brain tumor removed from half of his brain And I show up at the hospital and the pastor shows up at the hospital and they want to know, how did you know about this? The good fruits are those things that nobody understands where they came from other than the spirit of God who supplies them. To be honest with you, the good fruits are those. Then he talks about being gentle and wisdom is always gentle. This one is not something that Bill does very easily because I have a tendency to run too fast, to go and rescue, to jump in, to be, you know. You know who I hated in high school with the bullies? But I didn't always, mm, I didn't always answer the bullies with uh, gentleness because they made me mad. And so what happened was at this point, It was like, okay, Bill. Now remember, as a junior and a senior in high school, I'm a saved person. I I know the Lord and I'm doing good and and God's called me to be in youth ministry and I know what's going to happen after I get out out of high school. But at the same time, there are some people that just, they don't like. And yes, I can say that, that there are times when Pastor Bill doesn't like someone and wants to go up to them and say, what is wrong with you? And screaming in somebody's face, well, I'll pray for you, doesn't help. <laughs> That's not a lot of attitude of prayer, just so you know. They might have an inclination to doubt your prayer at that point in time. <laughs> Open to reason. I found this one fascinating because in the Greek in the Greek New Testament, when it talks about this little phrase of open to reason, there's some examples when Paul was in the middle of a giant auditorium, and Paul is trying to tell all of these scientists about Jesus. I see that you are very smart men, that you love a God, and you things. And then you have this statue to the unknown God. What well, would you like to know who this God is? By Paul asking questions in that setting, he got to share who the unknown God was, Yahweh himself. See, many times when we go into situations, frustration can take over. I will, I'm being full disclosure. But on the other hand, if I remember to start asking questions, really, what do you know? I know that you just said that you pray for this. When you pray, do you pray to somebody specific? I think God's punishing me. Can you tell me why God would punish you? Which God you're talking about? See, there's little phrases that will give you openings, and it's so much better just to ask questions. The open to reason means that somebody is always ready to ask a question before they're to give a judgment. That's what that, that, that whole phrase, and the more times that I translate it, I kept saying... It just means that I I have the ability to ask more questions than the ability to give judgment and to get on somebody's case. That impartial and sincere part. There's one little part of that that I couldn't fit on the screen. There's two words. Without hypocrisy. So now read it. Impartial and sincere without hypocrisy. That means you mean what you say. That your truth is your truth, and your no is no, and your yes is yes, and you are always one who they know, well, Bill doesn't, he doesn't lie about this. When you, know it, when you know and understand that you're impartial and sincere without hypocrisy, that God is going to use you in ways that you won't even know what happened. There's going to be times when you're going to look up and say, God, do you really want me to go in there and do this? Are you sure that's what you really want me to do? And he does. So we look at this list. We look at this list. We look at the, the, the mercy and good works, the peacemaking, blessed are the, you know, it is, and so as you start to read this, when you look at this list, does it remind you of another letter and another author in the Bible? Because Galatians 5:22 and 23, there's a whole list of peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, kindness. I mean, all of these in 5:22 and 23. And the amazing part about that in in what nobody thinks about going to Revelation or um, the book of Galatians in five, chapter five, uh, verses 19 and 20. Because verses 19 to 20 give you all the list of bad stuff. Being a liar, being a gossip, being a... Yeah, nobody wants to talk about that one. But they do want to talk about peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness. And we love talking about that stuff, but it's all in there. A harvest of righteousness. A harvest in verse 318. And this will finish our passage. And it says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. How would you like to be a farmer whose harvest is righteousness? Wherever you went, whatever you did, whether it's a workplace, school, friends, family, everybody knew you as someone who was a peacemaker and sows righteousness. It's not always an easy thing to do to sow peace. Sowing peace does never mean that you take one side or the other, but what it means is that there is another way to find peace, to find kindness, to find love. Peacemakers are amazing people. Sometimes I have been privileged enough to be that person. Sometimes it's been someone else in my family or friends. But it's always been a point of realizing and knowing that when that person speaks, they speak peace. We have men that I respect and love in this congregation. That I listen to their wisdom because when they speak, they speak peace. And they speak wisdom. And they're amazing, they're amazing men and women in this in this room that when they speak, that I hear them. And if I say their names, I'll get in trouble. So I'm not gonna do that. So I just want to ask you another question. Remember who James's half-brother is? Go ahead. Jesus, thank you very much. That is who his half-brother is. And the amazing thing, as you look at the list that James gives us right there, I'd like to read something to you. And I'm going to close with this part. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, Saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then we skip down to verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Then 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Nine, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And then you look at the list from James 3. Do you think that, that there was a time when, as James is writing this letter, he remembers being on that mount, shaking his head at his big brother like he was a crazy man, because remember, he didn't believe in him at that time. And yet, when James wants to bring up what true wisdom is, he starts to think about some of the things big brother said. And he starts to relay them into this letter to the people. And it's 70 years later. No, 40 years later. And when he does this, all of a sudden, Big Brother's words are coming into his head. Hey, guess what? Here's what real wisdom is. Wisdom is full of the peace and being a peacemaker. Wisdom wisdom that comes from above, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's making, it's holding on to... When you think about all of the things that Jesus said in his day, when a brother who wasn't sure of who Jesus really was at that point, now his brother that once Jesus came to him after a resurrection. Of course, you know, when you don't believe your brother, and then all of a sudden he gets killed on a cross and buried and comes out of a grave and then comes to see you and taps you on the Hey, James, what's up? He recognizes the voice, but he says, no, no, because I just saw you. No, I just saw you go on the cross. And he turns around and he says, no, I need you to hear me. All of a sudden now James is writing. And he feels that his brother's words, the Lord God himself, Jesus Christ, his words were so important that he wants the people of this day to realize and understand and know that I'm going to bring you right back to his teaching. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who look for righteousness. So the last slide is this. If you want to know how to get, you want to get wisdom from above, here's your key. It's very hard to spend time in this book. Because even James, as he's writing the letter, reminds us that the words of Jesus were the ones so important that he wanted to remind the people who were striving and having trouble in his church a whole lot of years later and trying to tell them, listen to me and listen to my brother. Listen to the Lord Jesus himself when he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, if we want to get it wisdom, if we want to get wisdom, It's all in here. This is the key. If you don't know where to look or how to look, again, go to pastorlighthousecommunity.com and I love to give out scripture headings and stuff to read. That's my favorite thing to do. I love talking about this book more than anything and so does Pastor Jeff the two of us, and Pastor Rod, too. We love talking about this book because there's only one way to get wisdom, to get life eternal, and to get peace in your mind and in your life is this. So I'd like for the worship team to come on back up. Dear church family, holidays are coming when people want to know what the hubbub is about. And believe it or not, those of us my age grew up in a generation where most everybody knew who Jesus was and knew about churches and everything else. But anybody under 30 in these days, and maybe some under 40, don't know anything about a church. We've had 45 to 50, 60-year-old people in this building in the last two months who never had stepped a foot in church in their life. And again, they thought we were all a little crazy. And that's so proud of that, I couldn't tell you. Because here's the thing about it, when the spirit of God fills your heart and life, your light is going to go so shine before men that they can't help but come to see it. So we're going to say a prayer together. I'm going to go down there, guys. I hope that's okay. One thing we have to understand is that when we got saved, we could have just gone straight to heaven, but that's not God's plan. God's plan was for you to be in the people that you share with and talk with every single day. For you to tell somebody. You to be the light. You don't have to preach and hit them over the head with a big giant Bible. You don't have to do that. Sometimes it just means giving somebody cold water. Calling a friend who's hurting and saying, hey, I thought about you today and I just wanted you to know I said a prayer for you. It's something that simple. It does not ever have to be grandiose. To you. To you but it will always be grandiose to them. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, if you don't know the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if you don't have him in your heart, if you've never made that confession of faith, I'm going to ask um, Dee, if you and Connie will come up right over here. Um, Rich, if you and can you guys come up here? If you and, yeah, thank you. Because here's what we need to know. If you want prayer, if you want prayer, even if you're struggling and there's something you need to renew in your life, please feel free to come up. Pray with one of us. Jeff is even in the back, too, if you want to go on the back. So I want you first to understand reaching out to Jesus is that simple. Find him, understand him, read in his word to learn more about him. And that, dear family, will get you your wisdom. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are here before you this day to say yes, sometimes we've messed up. And wisdom is something that we strive for and sometimes we miss. But we thank you that you are a God of U-turns, that you let us come back to you, that you let us stand again. And ask for forgiveness, ask for love, ask for that kindness. We want that wisdom. We truly desire to be peacemakers. So Father God, may you above all accept our prayers, our praise, and everything we are to give glory and honor to your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you feel like coming up and praying, feel free to do so during the song.
1: Just a closer walk with thee, granted Jesus is my
0: You could turn my guitar down just a hair up there. We're about to be screamed on.
1: Stop.
4: Just lead on. I couldn't, couldn't finish any better than that. God bless you all for being here this morning. Like I said, contact us if you need a, troubles, prayers, anything. Put your connection cards. By the way, if you're a visitor here for the first time, we would love to know you were here. Please fill out one of those connection cards in the back of the seats and you can stick it right in the boxes in the back. But God bless you all. You have a great week and I pray blessings on every single one of you. Thank you for being here this morning. Jesus lead on, I will follow, Jesus lead
2: on.